a Variety Sports Network production. Now to your host. How's it going, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Blues Notes. Today we have a little bit of a special episode. Today we have uh, Brandon and Josh and myself here and talking with uh, kind of a special or I guess an important part or important piece of the uh, Blues organization. He's been a resident of the St. Louis area in Belleville, Illinois. Uh, he's the PA announcer for the St. Louis Blues. His name is Tom Calhoun, and I'm going to bring him in, and we can get rolling with the show. Don't Tom, how are you doing today? Don't forget to get you with Grizzlies, too. What's that? I said, don't forget to. Sorry. <laughs> Tom, how are you doing today, man? All is well. All is well. I'm. Uh, we got a little um, barbecue going here at the house today with my sons, and uh, probably after I'm finished with you guys, I might have a cocktail or two and join in the fun. <laughs> there you go. Not a bad way to spend Sunday. Not a bad way. <laughs> we'll be over uh, after the show. Yeah, come on over. <laughs> but uh, well, Tom, I'm sure there's plenty of people that probably aren't on that are watching the show today that may or may not know who you are. So if you want to uh, go ahead and introduce yourself, tell everybody a little bit about yourself and go for there. Okay, sure. Um, you know, I'm a St. Louis area guy my whole life. Grew up in uh, Belleville. Um, later on in life, I moved uh, out to the Millstadt, Illinois area and built a house here in, in the Millstadt area and have lived here ever since. Um, a lot of people think Millstadt, and they think, uh, wow, that's way out in the middle of Illinois somewhere. It must take you forever to get to the games. But Millstadt actually is just uh, 15 minutes from downtown St. Louis and probably a lot closer to the uh, Enterprise Center than uh, people who live in St. Charles or uh, Wildwood or some places like that. But, uh, but anyway, um, you know, I grew up here, uh, went to Belleville grade schools and high school, uh, attended uh, what was at the time Belleville Area College. Now it's Southwestern Illinois College, where I I teach a few communication classes there now. And uh, went on to SIU Edwardsville and got my bachelor's degree there. I have a master's degree in communications from uh, Lindenwood University, which allows me to teach some of the things that I do. And started. Uh, uh, in radio back in the uh, 70s, 1970s. Yep, I'm an old guy. Uh, so uh, 70s, 80s, 90s, early 2000s, I was in uh, St. Louis Market Radio as a uh, sports announcer. And also uh, I did a lot of news. I was news director at KTRS for a while and um, got out of radio in the early 2000s, started my own ad agency and um, that lasted for a while until I decided and had the opportunity to teach, started doing that. The, uh, the Blues PA thing came along in the uh, mid-1980s when I was working at KXOK with Dan Kelly and Ron Jacober. And um, those guys suggested me as a possibility of, uh, you know, the Blues PA announcer. Charlie Hodges, who was doing it back then, left the team in the middle of the season, and they needed somebody to fill out the year. And um, I talked to Susie Matthew, who was running the show communications wise for them back then. And, um, she asked me to fill out the season and almost 1600 games later here, I am still doing it. So, uh, 
it's um, it's been a great part of my life being the Blues PA announcer, and uh, probably if I'm remembered for anything, that'll be it uh, when my time is up. So. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you wanted that much of a who's who about Tom Calhoun, but that, that's the full story. Hey, any any little bit helps or is good for content for the show and everything. So more than happy for you to share whatever you would want to share with us. And uh, I know that there's I didn't really know a whole lot about you per se as well. Oh, it was whenever Brandon told us that we were kind of getting you on the show today. That was it felt a it, it was nice because I, to be honest with you, didn't really know who all was kind of doing a lot of stuff behind the scenes with the Blues. So it was, it's nice to be able to get on here today and and uh, talk with you and get to know you a little bit better. For sure. Well, I'm happy to share as much as uh, as much as I can. There's a few uh, few directions that I, as a, as a worker employee of the Blues, that probably I might not be able to go down that road. But uh, anything else? I'm happy to provide what I know. Fair enough. Um, I guess first, kind of the first question I wanted to ask you, like getting into it whenever you're going through school and I guess the kind of the start of your career, what made you uh, kind of want to go the direction that you're going with, like the PA and the uh, public speaking? And Well, um, I guess – I always hearken back to uh, an experience I had in when I was in high school and, and uh, myself and three of my friends were asked to do the uh, sermon at our church on a Sunday morning. Uh, it was youth Sunday, they called it. And they would always ask three or four of the high school uh, kids to uh, get up and, and provide the, uh, the sermon at church. Um, and so I did my little part, and I remember walking out of the church that day and shaking hands with uh, some of the older people who had attended the service. And this one lady comes up to me and says, "Young man, you have a really fine speaking voice. You should you should use that as a, in radio or something." And I, mm-hmm. well, thank you, ma'am. I'll, I'll give that some thought. And that was kind of the first little inkling that I had that maybe maybe my voice. Uh, could make me some money somewhere down the road. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, so I began thinking about that. And it wasn't too long after that I heard Jack Buck calling a Cardinals game one time. And and he said, you know, this is the greatest job in the world. You get to come see all the games. You get to the press box and you got free food. I don't know what else I'd be doing with my life, but, man, this is really great stuff. And, and I heard that and it stuck with me. And I said, well. I don't know what else I'm going to do with myself. I might as well try to uh, pursue this communication thing a little bit. And so I went to the colleges that I told you about earlier and uh, was lucky enough to get a job right out of college at my hometown radio station and uh, stuck around working at various stations in St. Louis for a long time. And, and the PA opportunities came along and, um, you know, it's it's been a great experience, the whole thing. Yeah, sure. Um, Brandon, Josh, do you, any of you guys have anything that you wanted to? So I was looking into kind of reading uh, the the St. Louis Sports Hall of Fame. I guess it was a little uh, snippet you wrote, and I saw that you actually worked with Joe Buck uh, for a little bit. Um, what was that experience like? I mean, just being from St. Louis and getting to work with somebody somebody like Joe. 
um, Joe and Jag. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, Joe actually is just one of several pretty big name broadcasters that I've worked with over time. Uh, I mentioned Dan Kelly, uh, Ron mm-hmm. Jacober, Joe Buck, um, uh, Bob Starr used to call football Cardinals games back in the day. I worked with him. Bob Costas was a colleague of mine at KMOX back in uh, the late 1980s, early 90s. And uh, so I've worked with a lot of uh, guys who've gone on to great things. Joe, uh, I really didn't uh, spend a whole lot of time with as a professional. I do recall when I was working at KMOX and he was a fairly young broadcaster and um, he he came through the uh, studios one day and somebody said, that's, that's Jack Buck's son. He's going to be working here. So uh, he came into KMOX at about the time I went on to another opportunity at the time. And so I didn't really get to spend a lot of time with Joe. I've met him uh, in social settings a few times since then and always have had good conversations with him and certainly admire his uh, uh, approach to doing a broadcast and uh, he's a big St. Louis Blues fan, so you got to like that. Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> so, not to um, be out of place at all, but being a growing up for me, um, I, I grew up in Indiana. I was born in St. Louis, um, so I was raised on the Cardinals and the Blues, um, diehard uh, fans in my family. But we can still get KMOX when I was a small boy in Indiana. We can still pick the late night games up. So I remember going to sleep, listening to Jack call games. Um, do you have any really interesting or a favorite story of your time when you were worked with or were around Jack um, when you guys were in the business together? Yeah, um, I actually have a couple of Jack Buck stories. And the first one, I think, is probably the most uh, reflective of who he was as a man. And um, I was still a senior in college at SIU and uh, my internship uh, from SIU was at KMOX and um, I was hired by KMOX as an intern. You're not really hired, but I mean, my, my project at KMOX as a student was to be sort of the right-hand man of Jim White, who was a talk show host back in those days on KMOX. And um, my first day there, uh, I met with Jim and he said, go into the newsroom and go through the wire copy. All of our information in those days came over those teletype machines, you know, associated press wire machines. Now it's all computerized. But back in those days, you had the clackety clack machines in the in the newsroom that uh, printed out news stories on a continual basis. <laughs> and somebody in the newsroom always would rip off the stories and they would put them on a nail on the wall, uh, news copy, sports copy, feature copy, weather, you know, it was all separated into categories on a different nail. And uh, Jim White said, go in and grab the stories off of the feature nail and go through them and see if there's any interesting people that we can call on my talk show and, and do an interview with. And I said, okay, fine. So I walk into the newsroom and i pulled down the copy off of the feature and I'm, I'm going through that stuff. And out of the corner of my eye, I see somebody walk up next to me and I look over and I thought, Oh my God, it's Jack. Buck. <laughs> <laughs> She's going through the sports copy. 
it's my hero. What, what am I going to do? I, I, I was actually frozen. I didn't know what to do. I was just standing there going through mm -hmm. the feature copy. Should I say something? Should I, what, what should I do? Well, this, he's going through sports copy. I'm going through the feature copy. And I'd say after about five minutes of us both standing there, he finally looks over at me and he says, well, kid, aren't you going to introduce yourself? And I said, uh, yes, sir, Mr. Buck. I'm Tom Calhoun. I, I, I'm working with Jim White on his show, and I'm, I'm the, an inter, a new intern from SIU. Oh, well, great. Good to have you here. And, you know, and he asked me about my family and what I wanted to do with myself. And, you know, I told him I wanted to do sports play-by-play -play in my career. And he said, oh, great. He said, what kind of what help can I be? And he gave me some advice right off the bat. I, we must have wound up talking for 15 or 20 minutes. And he gave me all kinds of time. And, and I thought at that point in my life, I said, holy smokes, not only is he my hero, but uh, he is my mentor as well. And I thought, what a lucky guy I am to work at a place as still as a college student and get that kind of uh, help from somebody who I thought was just uh, the greatest broadcaster in sports. So that's, that's one story. I mean, I can tell you the story too about after I went back to work there, at KMOX later on, um, I was covering uh, the football Cardinals who were still in town at that time. And after a Sunday game, um, the coach would have a Monday morning press conference. And it was my job to go in with a tape recorder and <laughs> record the press conference and then cut up the, you know, the cogent comments into sound bites for use on the air. So I, I was in the uh, Cardinals offices at Bush Stadium, Bush Stadium 2, uh, back in, uh, gosh, I don't know what the year would have been, probably early 90s, I guess. Well, wait a minute. When did they leave? Uh, well, left in 80, 87, wasn't it, or 88? Well, yeah, I was probably, uh, yeah, yeah well, uh, 80. <laughs> Anyway, uh, I uh, I walked into the office. I'm sitting there waiting to go in to talk with Gene Stallings, who was the coach at the time. And Jack Buck walks in. And at about the same time, Bubba Baker walked in, who was one of the players, huge defensive lineman for the, for the football Cardinals. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're chatting, and... Jack Buck says to Bubba Baker, hey, what does that earring mean? He had a like a little pearl earring in one in his one of his ears. And Bubba Baker said, what do you mean? What does it mean? He said, it means something, doesn't it? You know, in, in those days, that, it was unusual, uh, let's say, in those days for a man to wear an earring. And Jack Buck, being an old time traditionalist kind of guy, I guess challenged him a little bit on, on wearing an earring. And it almost got to the point where Bubba Baker, I thought, was going to take a swing at Mr. Buck. <laughs> I actually thought that it was kind of getting to be a little bit confrontational between those two. And I thought, am I going to have to get in between Bubba Baker and Jack Buck here? I just can't believe this situation. Well, 
it didn't go that far. But if Bubba Baker would have uh, touched Jack Buck, I can't imagine what a big story that would have been. And I can't believe that Bubba Baker would have actually stayed on the team had he uh, accosted Jack Buck that morning. Uh, but but that's another story, and, and it obviously didn't go that far, and I'm glad it didn't. Yeah. No, that's awesome. That's cool. That's, that's yep, cool, though, insights on – because no one Jack Buck are, obviously, but – Considering you were around back then when Jack was such a prominent voice, I just was curious about the influence he had in you. That's yeah. No, that's where he, I, was going with that. I think he had a big influence not only on me but a lot of other people just because of the wonderful kind of person that he was. And my story earlier kind of uh, tells you a little bit about that. He was always willing to give people time, and um, I, I probably am among hundreds of guys who could tell a story like that, that uh, where he gave people enough time to, uh, to feel like they were the most special person on earth. And, and that's, I think why he's such a legend myself, Yeah, even more than his broadcasting. Yeah. Yeah. I, I unfortunately growing up, like I, I caught the tail end of, of Jack's career and didn't really get a whole bunch of, of his play by play. So it's, it's really cool to hear some of the stories and background of, of, like your time with, with Jack and all that. So too. you wouldn't know if I did a great Jack Buck. <laughs> not probably not, but it, it sounds it sounds good. It sounds awesome. he had a kind of gravity <laughs> thing going there, yeah. especially towards the end of his career. He had a really wonderful voice. If you ever listen to some of his uh, tapes or broadcasts, I think you'd probably pull up something on YouTube from his earlier days. Uh, mm. Golden tones, yeah, he was yeah. great. Uh, I know there's some of the you have a lot of like memories and stuff from like the olden days back in the 80s and 90s. Do you have anything that's like more like the 2000s era that is, I guess, events with the blues that might have stuck out to you? I know, obviously, with the, the two times we've been into the Winter Classics in 17 and just this past year, uh, and then obviously the uh, the World Series as well. So I didn't know if there's any any of those moments that might have been key or big in your perspective. Oh, gosh. Well, yeah, I mean, as you can see in the background, there's a picture of me uh, with the Stanley Cup over my head standing on the stage under the arch with about a half a million people behind me. And uh, that still is kind of surreal to me that it actually happened. Uh, where I got to introduce the team after the Stanley Cup parade down there under the arch. And <laughs> I mean, it doesn't get much better than that. It's uh, um, ha- has been and always will be a highlight of uh, my experience working with the Blues. And uh, I remember I got a call that morning. I didn't know if I was going to be involved with uh, the parade and the celebration up until almost the last minute. Uh, that morning I got a call from, from Jason Pippi, who was kind of my supervisor at uh, the blues at the time. And he, he was in charge of running a lot of the entertainment experience at, at the, uh, at the hockey game, excuse me, at the hockey games at the time. And he called me and said, you know, he said, Tom, you probably want to be in the parade. I know, but he said, we're really afraid to have you in the parade because we really want you down at the arch 
to introduce the team. And it's going to be a mob scene down there downtown. And if you're in the parade, I'm not even sure we're going to be able to get you to the stage uh, to introduce the team. So how, would, would you mind if you came down to the, uh, to the stage under the arch and just waited for the parade to be over? And I said, no, that's great. Fine. I, I don't really mind. Uh, it would have been cool being in the parade, but, uh, but being there at the arch, introducing the players, looking out over that massive humanity on the arch grounds that day. Um, I have pictures on my phone and I'll call them up every once in a while just to try to remember how wonderful experience that was. And, uh, you know, that's, that, that's one thing. And then, you know, doing the introductions for the alumni classic and the winter classic at Bush stadium back in 2017. Um, I remember I could probably even play it for you, but, um, it might not come through very well, but when I introduced Wayne Gretzky uh, at the alumni classic, I didn't realize it, but, uh, our organist, Jeremy Boyer had his phone on record at the time. And he had a picture of me starting the introduction of Gretzky. And then he pans out into the studio with his phone to where you can see not only the ice, but you can also see the video board and Wayne Gretzky waving to the crowd. And I, you know, I do the wonderful long introduction that was written for me for, for Gretzky more records than you can imagine. You know, I, I don't remember exactly what the wording was, but, uh, uh, that video, and thanks to Jeremy, uh, is really a keepsake of mine, uh, introducing the greatest player of all time on that day in front of all those fans at Bush Stadium. And, uh, you know, yep. how many people get to do that who do the kind of work that I do? It was uh, just a wonderful experience, uh, that one, too. Yeah, it was if it, it was definitely a... Uh surreal moment i i remember pretty well whenever that uh that day happened and you were kind of going through announcing all the players and whenever you got to gretzky it was just kind of i was there in the stands watching the game and it was it just hearing everybody cheer like they did for gretzky and everything it was very it was very neat and surreal because it was kind of a once in a lifetime thing it's like we had gretzky here playing for us for a little bit and it just is how well known and how great of a player he was. It's it's it was something to see him wearing the blues sweater that they had for the alumni classic that day. Just a lot of people, I think, were reminded that, yes, for a couple of months, the greatest player of all time played in the blue note sweater and, uh, you know, Kind of got ran off by Mike Keenan, unfortunately, but uh, that's another story. But you know, yeah, that that was a wonderful day. Yeah, yes, it was. I, I wish Sorry. hopefully soon we'll be able to have another one, but I know we just had the one in Minnesota not too long ago where we wore these sweaters, and it was both times were both very fun games to watch. I was able. Luckily, I was able to witness one of them in person. But they were they were both really fun games to watch. Yeah, they were. And um, Vladdy had a nice game in that uh, game uh, on on uh, Monday. 
it was a Monday, if you recall, the uh, January 2nd game, the actual Winter Classic, and uh, uh, the boys stepped up pretty good uh, against the Blackhawks that day. Yeah, I, I remember not really knowing for sure if they were going to be able to play the game because it was, uh, I believe it was raining pretty good, pretty decently that day. Yeah, I remember getting there early in the morning and it was raining pretty well when Nelly was performing over there at Ballpark Village. And uh, um, we were all looking at one another. Oh, boy, <laughs> this might not go very well today. But uh, the hockey gods uh, took care of us that day and cleared things up enough for, for us to get the game in. Yes, it did. So I was still living in Indiana for that game, and nobody could understand why I took a random day off to watch a hockey game. So when I came back to work and I was all happy because we got the big W and I was – because I was in the – I was taking pictures of the TV. And I brought the pictures from the TV into my coworkers, and they were like, you took work off for that? And I'm like, no, you guys don't understand. First ever hockey game that I know of that was played inside of Bush Stadium in St. Louis – and we kicked the crap out of the Blackhawks. It was totally worth taking the day off. Um, so, I mean, it's – I mean, I, I've grown up listening to you. Um, you know, we can hear you when we're on the TV or when we're watching the game on the TV. I can hear you, but the distinctness of your voice carries over because, like, you're talking to us now, and I'm thinking about what I've heard while watching <laughs> the games on TV because I've never actually been able to go to a game in person yet. I've never had that opportunity. But – your voice just resonates and it just clicks and fires from my mind. Well, you know, uh, other people have told me something like that, Josh. And um, I always say if what I do and, and the way I sound and the way I deliver an announcement adds to the enjoyment of the game for, for you in some way, um, I've done my job. I've, I've done what I've been hired to do. Uh, yes, I disseminate information. I announce the goals, who scored, who got uh, assists and penalties and all those things. That's the informational part of what I do. Um, the entertainment part of what I do is doing all of that in a way that's memorable and exciting and fun for the people who come to the games. And, um, you know, there's some pl- other buildings where PA announcers, in my opinion, go way over the top with the screaming and the hollering and the, um, you know, cheerleading and all of the things that go on in, in some of these other places. Uh, you know, I don't want to single out anybody, but uh, I think, you know, the way we do it in St. Louis uh still maintain some of the dignity that it requires, you know, so that when people go home, they not only got the information, they got the entertainment, they got the fun part of it, but they didn't say to themselves, boy, that guy was obnoxious on the PA system. And <laughs> that, you know, hey, when is he going to stop talking? When is he going to stop screaming, uh, you know, power play or something, you know, stuff like that. Um mm-hmm. I mean, there's a there's a fine line between uh, doing it professionally and doing it um, over the top, I guess, Mm -hmm. is the best term, I think. uh, And I think if I go a little bit over the top once in a while, like I did on the Pat Maroon goal and 
double overtime against Dallas a few years ago. Hey, that, that is perfectly fine with going over a top <laughs> yeah. in that situation. It was it's perfect, man. Nobody complained too much about it that day. Oh, no. But, um, uh, you know, usually uh, Trevor Nickerson or one of my supervisors at the team will say, yeah, you might want to dial it back a little bit on that. <laughs> but, but I haven't gotten too much feedback that on that. The, um, the Blues have always been very supportive of the way I do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I, I actually had the chance to, to go to two away games uh, in that one in Nashville and one in Dallas. And uh, just just kind of getting the, like when you were just talking about like PA, like certain PA announcers and stuff being, you know, a little higher over the top than, than others. Uh, they really like to be loud in Nashville. I don't, know if you, I don't know if you've ever been to a game in Nashville, but boy, they did like they're loud. I mean, the, the, when they score the goal and then they, they play the, the Tim McGraw song and uh, it's, it's something else. I mean, it, it is, I mean, even as a blues fan, it, it's really cool to, to go to that, you know, that kind of environment as well. But, you know, he, growing up as, as a blues fan and it's kind of like Josh was saying, you know, hearing your voice and, you know, I've been going to games since I was six, seven years old and uh, hearing your voice and, and everything come across the, the PA system. It, it's, it's what sticks out when I think of, when I think of blues games. So it's pretty neat. Well, uh, you guys are being very kind today, and I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, yes. uh, if you have some complaints, you can email them to me after we're done. <laughs> we can do no, that but, if we can find uh, something. Uh, heck, man. But, uh, the guy in, in Nashville, Paul McCann, who does the PA for them, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we happen to have a group on Facebook, the NHL PA Brotherhood, it's called, and we kind of exchange uh ideas and pronunciations of names and you know technical stuff like that and and we've gotten to know most of us are on that group Uh, there's three or four guys who for whatever reason have never joined that that facebook group but um most of the guys are in it and paul is a really nice man and i think a lot of the approach that he has there in nashville which is which is pretty high energy uh is is he's urged to do that by the team. I think the, uh, mm-hmm. I think the predators management wants, uh, that kind of approach to, to what they do. And, um, uh, Jeff Kowarski, he's known as Jeff K and the Dallas market does their PA and, and he's more of a traditional type PA announcer, similar to what I do. Mm-hmm. It, it really depends on, I think, uh, the approach that the management of each team wants to have mm-hmm. in Las Vegas. It's a big show of course, and and Bruce Cusick, who does their PA announcing out there, I can't imagine that he has a voice at the end of the game because of all the <laughs> screaming and uh, crowd urging that they do out there. It's uh, It gets a little wacky. But, uh, um, you know, I when I first started in 1987, there was a, there was a part of the NHL off-ice officials handbook that was directed at PA announcing. And I can probably call it up somewhere on my computer, but it said specifically PA announcers are not to favor one team over the other. It's a straight announcement of all announcements, goals, penalties, whatever it is. The PA announcer is not to put hometown emphasis on any announcement made during the course of a game. And so when I first started, you know, I was pretty dry, you know, it was pretty, uh, 
unemotional, non-hometownish when I first started. But as time went on, um, I think people with the league and, you know, the managers of the various organizations, when they would have meetings, they would say, you know, we need to put some more excitement into this game and make it more fun for, for the fans to come. And so those restrictions gradually were loosened over, I'd say, the late 80s, early 90s to the time when we got around 2000 um, to where, you know, there was more of a hometown feel to just about all of the PA announcers in the league. So, Tom, I got a couple of questions. If nobody else has got one ready. Go ahead, Josh. All right. So these are going to be player specific and it's all past guys and not about anybody about their performance. Okay. In your opinion, in your time with the blues, who is a, who is our best fighter? I've got a couple guys on top of my list. So who, who are your, who do you think the best two fighters we had? Best two fighters. Yeah. Uh, I can't imagine anybody was any better than Tony twist. Um, he, uh, I was not too far away the night that he broke Rob Ray's face in a fight at uh, what was then, I guess, Scott Trade Center. And Rob Ray came into the penalty box, and it was pretty early in the season, as I recall. And uh, Rob Ray sat down, and you could see a big welt on his one cheek. (laughs) And he looked over at Twister, and, you know, they had fought before and they'd known one another from earlier times in minor hockey and so forth. And R- Razor, that's what they called Rob Ray, he looks over at Twister and says, man, I didn't know you put on 20 pounds of muscle during the offseason. If I'd have known you were going to break my face, I wouldn't have gotten a fight with you in the first place. <laughs> and, and it wasn't too long after that, Ray had to skate over to the locker room because he was – he was really injured, you know. Oh, I bet he was in some pain. Did yeah, he break he the orbital a, bone? Yeah, broken or, orbital bone, and uh, I don't think he, I don't think he skated for, you know, a month or two after that. So, uh, yeah, it was. Uh, Twister was a guy that many seasoned fighters in the league didn't really want to mess with. And uh, who would be my second choice? This may sound a little weird to you because it goes back to the early my early days with with the Blues. I know, but Brendan Shanahan was a heck of a fighter back in his day. He got into some fights. Um, you know, famously he fought uh, uh, Keith Kachuk one time, and uh, that was uh, you know, I think you can call it up on YouTube for that one, but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, Shanahan was a uh, pretty, uh, pretty good fighter. He, he, he didn't fight a lot, but when he did, man, he, he took care of some business. Yeah. And, you know, uh, Kelly Chase would be mad at me if I didn't mention his, at least mention his <laughs> name in this conversation. I mean, he, he was pretty darn good. And, um, you know, the time that he had to fight Tony Twist uh, when uh, Chaser was skating with Detroit, I think, at the time, and, um, you know, things got to the point where 
they had a fight one another and they were practically best friends. Uh, I'll always remember that one. And that was, that was a good one, but, uh, you know, Twister was about as good as it gets. So I, w- I was kind of hoping you were going to throw Ryan in there. Revo. Who? You, Ryan Reeves. I was hoping oh, you were going to kind of mention him in. Do you think, because yeah, well, Twist is my favorite. Yeah. Do you think yeah, Reeves could even stand toe to toe with Twist and even have a chance or does he Twist just blow him out the water? Well, Reeves had that similar kind of reputation as Twister. Um, not too many people wanted to mess with him and uh, still don't when he was skating here too. So, so you probably, I probably should have mentioned him uh, now that you say it, but uh, I was, I was kind of thinking maybe you wanted me to go back to the old days. So that's how Shanahan came up. <laughs> well, I'm good with this. My, my dad's favorite player outside of Al was Shanahan. So when he yeah. watches this, he's going to get a kick out of it for you uh, mentioning him because then he's going to talk to me about Brennan fighting. So that's that's yeah. good for me anyways. I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> is there is there – so outside of the Stanley Cup, is there a – I mean, obviously that's a big – was a big moment for St. Louis. Is there a moment that sticks out, like, you know, as we did this time over the with the Blues that uh, kind of sticks out a little bit more than – not more, but is kind of at the same level as the Stanley Cup run? Well, um, this this isn't really a hockey story, but uh, it's uh, it, well, I guess in a way it is. But uh, when the current building was being built, um, I uh, and some of the office officials got a tour of the place um, while it was being uh, constructed, and of course they already had pictures. Uh, posted all around of Red Hall shooting a puck to start the construction project uh, down there at uh, 14th and Clark. But uh, the man who was in charge of the construction project was giving us the tour. And we're down on the ground level (laughs) at one point, and we're all wearing hard hats because it was still a construction project. And uh, Fred Corsi, who was managing the construction project for the Blues at that time, he says, Tom, go go stand right over there. I said, where? He goes, well, right over there, about that spot. Just stand there for a second. And he pulls out a camera and he takes my picture. I said, what'd you do that for? And he said, well, that's where you'll be announcing from when this building is completed. That's going to be right next to where the rink is going to be. And, of course... In those days, pre-pandemic, I was working rinkside uh, at the penalty box area. And so I still got a picture of that moment. Uh, and it just it was assuring to me because it wasn't too long before that that there were rumors that the team was going to move to Saskatoon. And mm-hmm. there were all those uh, ownership issues that, uh, that the team had had in the early days when I was working for the team. And it just was an assuring moment to me that, you know, this hockey team's going to be here for a while and I'm probably going to be part of the fun here for a long time. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. So, so that one moment was big for me. And I haven't talked about that moment a whole lot with other people, but uh, that makes your podcast special today. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I did have one question that somebody put in the comments. It's uh 
by any chance, which player have you introduced the most out of your career? Wow. Um, no, I could probably take a pretty good guess. I think. Uh, I think Keith Kachuk would have to be up there among the the most announced names. <laughs> Because not only was he announced as a starter quite a bit, but he got into a scrap once in a while, and he scored a lot of goals. And people have always asked me, uh, Mr. Calhoun, out, out in public, you know, I might be in a restaurant or something, and somebody might recognize me, and they come and say, Mr. Calhoun, can you do the Keith Kachuk announcement? <laughs> sure. Blues goals scored by number seven, Keith Kachuk. You know, and... Um, <laughs> So, so that's got to be one of them. Um, gosh, I'm thinking back to the early days. Oh, it's got to be Brad Hall, doesn't it? Oh, I would definitely. I announced, every goal, I announced every goal that Brad Hall scored as a member of the Blues, and that's a lot of goals. Oh, yeah. So, uh, you know, he didn't get many penalties, but, uh, you know, he was in on so many scoring plays uh, while he was with, the note that, uh, yeah, I would think it's got to be Hull. Yeah, that's, that would, that would make a whole bunch of sense, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Oh. What's – now, this this might be – maybe you can answer this one. How much, how much interaction do you get with the players outside of, you know, game time? Like, do you regularly or on an irregular basis get to see them at events and whatnot? Uh, actually very little in these days. Um, and that's, that's kind of, a, unfortunately the way things are these days, you know, I'm separated from the, from the players, um, because I'm up in the penalty box area doing my job now, not penalty box, press box. And, um, so that, that makes it a little difficult for me to interact with the players. Back when I was at ice level, I would walk by the, uh, players locker room quite a bit and i would stop stop and chat with some of the players um but that really doesn't happen much anymore and and i'm kind of sad for that um back in the early days when i first started doing the the pa announcing not only was i doing that but i was also working for my radio station so i would go into the locker room after the games to get sound for for our sports casts on the radio stations that i work for so you know i got to be friends with uh Dave Lowry and uh, some of the guys back in those days who uh, were pretty close to my age, you know, at that time and uh, got to hang out with some of them a little bit. Um, Dave Lowry, Doug Gilmore, um, Gary Unger, some of those people back in the uh, in the 80s, um, Bernie Federico, people like that. But, you know, um Nowadays, I don't get to hang out with guys too much, and so uh, so I'm a little sad about that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's got to be unfortunate. That was actually going to be one of my questions. I was going to ask you was I, whenever the pandemic, whenever the pandemic hit, uh, and I saw that you they transferred you from down at the, uh, the ice ice level to the uh, the penthouse. Was that which one? Which area would you prefer or did you enjoy more of being down closer to the ice or being up kind of up in the uh, in a penthouse area? 
Well, I'm in the press box, pretty close to the video uh, production room now. Mm -hmm. uh, they put me in a basically a suite all by myself because they didn't want me interacting with uh, team officials or anybody who might be walking down the hallway uh, during the pandemic. I didn't want us breathing on one another, I guess. Mm -hmm. So, um, uh, yeah, you know, I've been asked that several times and there are some perks to being up at the press box level. You're one thing closer to a bathroom. Secondly, you are closer <laughs> to the snack bar. Uh, you can go grab a, a little uh, something between periods to um, take care of your sweet tooth or whatever mm -hmm. and grab a cup of coffee or whatever might be uh, on your mind. And you can chat with some of the people of the press, uh, the writers, the broadcasters. Some of the team officials are up there from time to time. Occasionally I get to chat with Doug Armstrong. Um, but um, I much prefer being down at ice level. You're so close to the action. Uh, you're involved with uh, things that the off-ice officials need to know down there at the penalty box. Uh, you can talk to the referees if you need to. That doesn't happen all that often, but if it does, you, you, know, you have access to them face-to-face. Um, sometimes when the players come into the penalty box, you can have a little conversation with them. And so it's, um, I'm much more isolated from the action and, and that kind of, uh, kind of saddens me too, yeah. uh, that, that I can't be as close to it as I used to be, but we get the job done. You know, there's communication with the headsets and everything between the people that I need to talk to and get information from. So. So it's, you know, we get the job done as well, hopefully as well as we, we did when I was at ice level. And um, unfortunately, I think maybe we did it too well because I don't think I don't think they're ever going to put me back down at the ice level anymore. <laughs> oh, uh, man. At least that's what I'm being told. So yeah. you should make a request yeah. to get back down to the ice level. <laughs> <laughs> well, it'd be great if it happens, but I'm not holding my breath. I, I, I've been. <laughs> I've been hearing too much around uh, from other PA announcers in other cities. And uh, the people in St. Louis have told me that, uh, you know, that's a league decision. And when they say it's a league decision, that means that they don't have control of it. And um, I kind of think uh, the league has found out that PA announcers don't have to be in the penalty box anymore. And so, so I'm kind of thinking that's the way it's going to go. Mm -hmm. So where your suite is, are you close enough to where you can hear like JK and um, got the guys on the radio who call the game on 101 ESPN, or are you in a different area away from them? Chris Kerber. Um, yeah, Kerbs. Yeah, Kerbs. Uh, no, I, I'm, I'm just down the hallway from them, uh, from the radio broadcasters. The TV broadcasters actually, actually are at a level a little bit lower than the press mm -hmm. box. They yes, sit, sweet level. Um, you know, they have a special area at uh, center ice that's one level below the press box. Mm -hmm. So, um, so they have a uh, a different place to work, and and I don't get to interact with with them a whole lot. J.K. and Panger usually are up in the press box, uh, you know, pregame. So I get to see them there and and talk to them once in a while, and occasionally. John Kelly and, and Chris Kerber and I will go over the pronunciation of uh, players' names that we don't, maybe we haven't seen before, just came in from out of town and they're new. Uh, 
new guys on the roster, things like that. But um, other than that, it's just chit-chat with, with those guys from time to time, usually pregame. Curbs um, makes some great calls, so that's why that was kind of my direction with that was he has some pretty emphatic calls on the radio, so I was just like, I wonder if he can hear that when he's uh, – Well, you know, back when Curbs came to town um, – and uh, they were looking for a broadcaster for the radio broadcast. I actually put my name in the hat for that uh, because I was still in those days thinking that I, I wanted to pursue play-by-play on the radio as my career. I hadn't done a lot of hockey, and I'm not going to kid anybody that I was a great hockey broadcaster at that time. Uh, I had done a lot of football and basketball and baseball in my previous days uh, back when I first started broadcasting, but I put my name in the hat. I thought, what the heck? I might as well give it a shot. You know, I've been around the sport for a while. I know kind of the ins and outs of the sport. So I I put together a tape uh, that I presented to the people who were making the decision with the blues and uh, just hope for uh, the best. And, you know, but they made the right decision hiring Chris and, and bringing him into call the games and he's been really a a wonderful addition to our sports broadcaster community here in St. Louis and uh, we're lucky to have him and and uh, you know he's a vice president with the team now so I have to say great things about him (laughs) but but, uh, you know he he calls a great game and his passion for the sport is is just unrivaled he's he's just all into it so we've got a good one there. Yeah, him and uh, him and Joe Vitale, they make a pretty good team. Oh, Joey's uh, he's just top notch human being too. He's uh, oh, yeah. one of these people that uh, you feel like you've known forever the first time you meet him. He's uh, in that way a lot like Jack Buck, who I described earlier in our discussion. He's um, just a wonderful people person. Terrific people skills and um, obviously um, knows the sport as well. So uh, they made a just a wonderful choice when they hired him to be the color guy on the radio. Yeah, definitely. So I, I have a question with with you know you're starting in with '87, I think it was with the Blues. Yeah. Like how how much has the equipment and like having a transition from like what you started with to what you're using now? How has that? How has that changed? It's almost it's almost comical uh, to talk about. Uh, when I first started, there was no video at the arena. There was no video screen anywhere, mm-hmm. so that was not even part of the show. They had a big center hung scoreboard where they posted the penalties and the, and the score of the game. They had the organist, and they had me, and that was pretty much it. Um, when I walked into the building. I'd go through the blues offices and someone would hand me uh, a stack of three by five cards about this thick. And they would say, here's your announcements for the game. Um, Go for it. And so I would have to wait. I would have to wait for a stoppage in play or some kind of opportunity in the way the game went to, to make an announcement. Uh, Don't forget our next home game is coming up on January 14th or whatever it might be, you know, and, and I had a little button that I would push to signal the organist, okay, the next stoppage in play, don't play the organ. Don't play anything on the organ because I've got an announcement I want to make. 
And that was how sophisticated it was in those days. That was it. Uh, there was me, the organist, and, and the scoreboard. So, you know, we've come a long way since then with uh, pyrotechnics and the video presentations that we have and uh, uh, all of the uh, great entertainment aspects that are, that are part of the show now. Uh, we didn't even think about in those days. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of crazy even just over the last couple of years to see the things that they can do, like with the videos on the ice and um, yeah. like all the all the, the the way technology has advanced in the last 10 years with that stuff. It's, it's they keep amazing me with that stuff. Um, yeah. and, and, you know, I, I keep thinking back to the days when uh, uh, that I just described to you. And, you know, if the organist didn't get the crowd going uh, with some sort of Along or some kind of you know, the saints go marching in or whatever it was at the time, you know, there was, it was just hockey. People yeah. cheered for the hockey. You know, mm-hmm. it wasn't, there wasn't any video board that said, get up and make noise. You know, it was, um, it was all on, it was all on the team to generate enough excitement for the fans to, uh, to make some noise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Brandon, I didn't know if we, at this we time, can, wanted to kind of go over. We can wait. We can wait. All right. Yeah, it's fine. Uh, <laughs> so you obviously mean work, working as long as you have with the Blues. You've seen them at the at their lowest point, and you've seen it at the highest point. Um, what kind of I don't know, just kind of like feeling from being part like part of the organization where it was that kind of at its lowest, probably like oh four, oh five ish, oh six, mm-hmm. I guess it was to you know making the the Stanley Cup run, like how. What, what changed in that span, do you think, if you're able to answer? Well, yeah, I can recall the days when um, they were giving away free food just so people mm-hmm. would come to the games uh, back oh. in 04, 05, back in there. Yeah. Um, and then the uh, the Dave Checkett's ownership came in and started, you know, trying to get the momentum back. Uh, and they did a pretty good job of that for three or four years. But in my opinion, uh, the biggest thing to happen in this franchise's history is when Tom Stillman became the owner. When Stillman and that group of local investors took charge of this team, mm-hmm. Tom Stillman plays hockey, understands the sport, he wants to win in the worst way, and he made sure that the financial backing was there to put a top-notch product on the ice on a regular basis. Um, And it went from being an ownership group that was not local. They were New York people who were looking at the team as an investment Mm -hmm. to a local group of people run by Tom Stillman, passionate about hockey, wanting to make sure that hockey was here forever and ever and winning hockey was part of the culture of the St. Louis Blues. And uh, as you know, when Stillman took over to the time we are enjoying now, uh, it's, it's a whole different sport uh, the way it's perceived in St. Louis. Now we think of ourselves as winners. We've won a Stanley Cup. We expect to be in the competition with the other 
best teams in the league on a regular basis. And I think it all goes back to Tom Stillman saying, I want to own this team and and making it happen. So, and when, when Tom Stillman that day, you see that picture behind me on the wall when I'm putting the cup over my head, Mm -hmm. after I introduced after I introduced the players and the celebration was pretty much over and the players had walked off the stage, I walked over to Mr. Stillman and I said, Tom, would you mind if I went and got the Stanley Cup and had a few pictures with it? And what he said to me, I will remember forever. He said, Tom, you are as important here as anybody else. Yep. Go get that cup and put it over your head. <laughs> About I say, you're probably just as much of a part of the team as every bit of everybody else that's associated with the team. And, and it's, you know, and I will, I will sing his praises as long as I get the chance. Yeah. I mean, Tom and everybody in the, in the management group, they've done a great job with just being open and not open with, fans and everybody associated with the sport. So, as I mean, I've, I've enjoyed everything that they've put out as ownership and I, and even every, all the moves that they have with having Dougie as uh, GM and then uh, chief as well. I mean, they've, they've, yeah. the amount of moves or correct moves, I guess, that they've pr- kind of put into the team and even with the players that they have as i I couldn't be happier as a fan to be rooting on a team like the Blues. Well, yeah. And, you know, I go back to the days when I first started working for the Blues and they were counting paper clips at the old arena. You know, that's how tight the budget was in those days. And oh, wow. um, the people who ran the team um, had to worry about keeping the doors of the building open. Mm-hmm. and attracting fans in some way uh, without blowing their budget on advertising and things like that. Well, you know, it's it's a much different uh, mindset of Blues fans these days. Um, yeah, they back in those days, they would have liked to won, but they kind of understood that it was kind of a budget operation and the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Detroit Red Wings and the Chicago Blackhawks of the world were kind of at a different level in the sport and you know if we won and got lucky that would be great that was kind of the mindset in those days of of the average fan nowadays you know we expect a winner on the ice and Mm -hmm. we uh, we question every move that the management makes because we want that win so bad we want them to win so much because we're so close to winning all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Back in those days, back in those days, we weren't that close and, and we knew it. And uh, it was, it was a struggle maintaining fans interest because of that. And nowadays it's, (laughs) you know, they've done things right for a long time now and it's, uh, it's paying off. Yeah. Yeah. Tom, I have a question for you. Oh, sorry, Brandon, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just saying that I was agreeing with him, but you can go ahead with your question. Um, I have to agree with everything Brandon said and what you said about the organization in the last few minutes. But looking into next season, 
Are you more excited for Colorado to come to town and us uh, to square up the score? Are you looking more forward for when Calgary comes to town? Well, I, I think I know where you're going with that, Josh. Um, <laughs> I think um, I think we have to kind of put the Nazem Kadri stuff behind us at this point and um, realize he's playing in the Western division now and uh you know we'll just we'll just let him go on with his career yeah. uh, I, I when i first saw the play where cadre hit uh dinner uh you know i said right off the bat uh, nobody was around me but i said that looks intentional to me um you know looking at the replays of some of that uh since you know i question my reaction to that a little bit um you know was he going for the puck? Okay, maybe so. But, um, uh, you know, he's gone on. He's not on Colorado anymore. And, you know, I'm willing to let bygones be bygones to some degree. Um, I'd rather see Colorado come to town and see if we can uh, match up with those guys. <clears throat> they've, they've changed their team a little bit, obviously. <clears throat> Our team is a little bit different with Perron gone and Letty, a main part of the defensive core and so forth. But, um, yeah, I I think Colorado is still going to be our our main nemesis here for a while, and uh, you know they've got two or three of the most elite players on the planet. I don't think anybody wants to argue that no. we've got a we've got a pretty elite bunch too, but uh, and, and a different approach to how the game is played. And I think as much as anything, the two different kinds of styles. Um, are, are what we're going to be looking at because, you know, we competed with them really well in this last playoff series up to the point where Benner got hurt. And um, a lot of that has to do with Chief and his approach to how the game is played. And, um, you know, a lot of people think, most of them in St. Louis, but some people elsewhere too think that uh, had Benner not got hurt, the Blues might have just went, went on to win that series. Yeah. Um, uh, and it's a, uh, I think it shows that if you have the right approach to how the game is played, you can kind of minimize some of those elite superstar skaters uh, from time to time. So, so uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to Colorado coming in, and uh, I'm not a big fan of Stan Kroenke anyway, so <laughs> if the team loses, <laughs> it would be okay with me. Yeah, for sure. Well, I think Ryan O'Reilly is one of those main factors in how Chief minimizes the speed teams that we see come up. I mean, O'Reilly is just – he's not the best scorer in the world. He's not the, you know, premier elite offensive player, but he is just so good all around, mm -hmm. and his defensive prowess is, in my opinion, unmatched for a guy at his age in his career. He still seems to get better and better as the season goes on, and, um, I mean – I'm wearing a jersey right now. Uh, I think he's part of the reason why we're going to neutralize Colorado and we're going to beat him this year. Yeah, and the other thing about O'Reilly is you can see some of uh, the way he plays the game rubbing off on Robert Thomas and yeah. some of the guys uh, who are coming up who are younger. And, you know, I think Thomas last year started to show some of the uh, uh, elite uh, potential that he has as uh, one of the top centers in the league, um, you know, playing the 90-foot game and uh, 
doing well at both ends of the ice. You know, he's still got a little ways to go. He's got the big contract now, so good luck with that. But, uh, um, you know, whether O'Reilly signs back again next year, I think people are starting to talk about after his contract is up. I hope they extend him because I think he's a really good part of the team and can mm. still be for several more years. So um, uh, one of the favorite pictures I have is of a selfie of me and O'Reilly with his uh, pilgrim hat or whatever kind of hat that was on, on a parade day that he was wearing. And, and I got a selfie with him and it's part of a montage of stuff that I have down in the man cave. And uh, he's a, he's quite a personality. He does a good TV commercial too. So um, yeah. <laughs> a lot of stuff. He's had a couple good ones. <laughs> yeah. well, the, the car shield commercials with, with Pat Maroon, when, they, when those first started showing up, I, I laughed every time because they're great. They're, yeah, they're good I ones. Know, uh, I don't know who their uh, creative people are at, at Car Shield, but they uh, yeah. they hit some pretty good home runs with the St. Louis sports fans. I think. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So really, real quick, kind of move away. At least I won't move away from the Blues. How did you get involved with the with the Grizzlies, and how did how did that come about? Well. Um, let me think about that a second before I answer. Uh, I remember one day I got a call from Joe Pot, who now does pregame and postgame shows for the Cardinals Network on KMOX. But he was the uh, Grizzlies broadcaster back in 02-03, back in those days. The, the team, the Grizzlies team, was still fairly new. They had only played a year or two, I think, in the Frontier League. And Joe called me and said, um, would you mind coming in and meeting with our general manager, Tony Funderburg? And I said, no, that'd be fine. What, what do they want to talk about? He said, well, I'll just let Tony tell you. So I came in one day and sat down in uh, Mr. Funderburg's office. And uh, uh, if I recall right, the quote was something like, we love the way you do the Blues P.A., and we would like to have the best PA announcer that we can get to our Grizzlies games. Are you interested? And I said, well, yeah, you know, I could probably do that in the summertime after my blues season is over. Um, mm -hmm. But can, can uh, a minor league baseball team pay me what I'm used to making, you know, for the blues? I said, I, I don't know if I can charge you one rate and charge the blues another rate for essentially the same kind of work and they uh and tony said well whatever it is we'd, we'd like to try to make it work and uh so uh you know being a baseball guy originally uh, i said well let's do it and i've been there now 20 years so it's 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 been a lot of fun during the summer doing their games yeah well, that's awesome I, I know i don't want to just make it a whole and whole thing about the blues and everything because i know you do do stuff with the Grizzlies too, and uh... well, the Grizzlies—it's a whole different level of professional sports. Uh, don't mm -hmm. get me wrong. And you know, when I first uh, was offered the opportunity to work for them, I went into uh, Jim Woodcock's office. Jim was working for the Blues at the time. He was my boss. <clears throat> he was making decisions about uh, game presentation and all that stuff. And I told him, I said, Jim. Uh, I've been offered this opportunity to do minor league baseball during the summer. What do you think? 
he said, well, you can do what you want, but he said, I would stay clear of it if I were you. He said, you know, you're thought of as a high level professional sports PA announcer. And, you know, why would you want to ruin that reputation by doing minor league baseball? I said, well, you know, I kind of like to make the money for one thing. Um, but secondly, you know, I think it would add a lot to their presentation if, you know, people thought, well, hey, the Blues guy's doing the PA for the for the Grizzlies. And I think if I did it professionally, I don't think it would detract so much from from the way people think about me. Yeah. And he said, well, go ahead and do it if you want. I said, we're not going to stop you. So, um, so I did. And uh, it's been a lot of fun for me over the 20 years I've been doing it. And uh, the Grizzlies, I wish, you know, the first year I did PA for them, they won the Frontier League Championship. And they've only been to the playoffs a couple of times since. So I guess mm -hmm. I cursed them when I started working for them. <laughs> and, uh, but, uh, but it's, you know, their level of baseball uh, is more about giving the players a chance to stay professionals and connected to the possibility that they might make the major leagues at some point. Mm -hmm. And um, for the fans, it's all about having a good time. The fans come and there's a lot of family friendly stuff that goes on at the Grizzlies game. And, and more people talk about the good time they had at a Grizzlies game, I think, than, than they even do it. Maybe a Cardinals game. Cardinals mm -hmm. games are more about the baseball game on the field. And Grizzlies games are more about having a good time. There's a party going on. And, oh, by the way, there's a baseball game, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A little different uh, environment there. Yeah, quite a bit. Hey, thinking about Grizzlies, I always think of the uh, – I know they do it at the end of the season, but they do the fireworks, but they also do the uh, TP the ballpark night thing. And that's uh, – I've got to do that a couple of times. It's, it's actually a lot more fun than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> well, it's uh, – if you've never been there for one of those greatest night in baseball, we call it at the Grizzlies. Uh, um, there's 27 prizes and pretty good ones given away for every out that the Grizzlies record. Uh, and it's always the night before Labor Day. So most people have the next day off so they can, mm -hmm. they can uh, get a beverage or two if they want and um, uh, have a good, good old time. And at the end of the game, everybody's given uh at least one roll of toilet paper, and if they want to, if they want more than that, they can purchase them, uh, and the money goes to charity. Mm -hmm. And as soon as the last out is recorded, whew, everybody's throwing toilet paper streamers onto the field and over the screen, and it's it's a lot of fun, especially for the kids. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, then they shoot off a terrific fireworks show after that, and. Um, it's kind of the it's kind of the start for me of thinking about the hockey season, and it's also uh, for a lot of people the start of uh, thinking about fall and winter coming. Yeah. So yeah. hockey season's right around the corner. I think that I saw something at twenty five, twenty four days till they till uh, off season training starts. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, uh, we, um, you know, I kind of hang out with the off-ice officials a lot, um, the guys who, uh, you know, keeps, keep track of the players on ice and scoring plays and all that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. I hang out with those guys, have since I started doing my PA job. And we lost one of our 
our off ice officials, Lance uh, Tebow, during the off season, he passed away a few weeks back, and uh, so we're going to miss him. He was, mm-hmm. you may know him if you're if you've watched a lot of games. Uh, he often would be in the penalty box, and occasionally the TV would get a shot of of Lance, and he had that big Lanny McDonald mustache. If you if you know the guy and uh and and he he got sick a while back and and dunk on it we we lost him and uh, we're all going to miss him going forward but uh um but still looking forward to the hockey season and and getting back on the ice yeah i'm sure um aside from i know with everything on the hockey side and with the grizzlies uh you said you're still doing like the teaching and whatnot, or you're not doing teaching anymore. Yeah. I, um, when Lindenwood university opened up their Belleville campus back in, uh, 2011, I was approached by an old broadcasting friend of mine who was the Dean of communications over at the uh, St. Charles campus. And he said, you know, we're going to have this Belleville campus and we're going to have a communications school and a, and a radio station there would you be interested in doing some teaching and uh, being the uh, general manager of the radio station? uh, I said, well, I've really never thought about teaching before, but I suppose I could. He goes, well, the school will pay for your master's degree if you're interested and, and, you know, give it some thought. So I did. And, um, you know, I took the deal. <laughs> I went <laughs> teaching for them. And uh, when uh, several years ago, Belleville, they, they decided to close down the Belleville campus. And uh, so I talked to some people in communication teaching out at Southwestern Illinois College, SWIC. And um, and they asked me to do essentially the same job that I was doing at the Lindenwood there at SWIC. And so I've been doing that since uh, 2019 and uh, enjoy the experience there as well yeah uh, i asked that question to kind of lead into this one whenever you're teaching at uh at school uh do a lot of the i guess i i can't really say kids but do a lot of the people that come into your classes they ask you a lot about the the blues and everything that you do on the other side of the coin the, the people who are blues fans or sports fans do yeah i, I have a lot of uh I have a lot of students that uh, when I introduce myself, you know, a lot of them have no clue about who Tom Calhoun is or don't care about the blues or anything related to sports. Um, And that's fine. You know, not everybody cares about the same things that we do. Um, But uh, occasionally, uh, yeah, I'll get a, I'll get a student who wears his blues shirt to the the class or something. And I can kind of see it in his eyes that, yeah, Tom Calhoun is my teacher. Wow, you know that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, it happens once in a while, but and that's that's cool when it does. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, you know, a lot of I'm finding a lot of younger people these days are so into their their phones and and what they do with with TikTok and all these other platforms that uh, that I don't. I don't think as many people are diehard sports fans coming up as maybe we all were. Yeah. I think you're right, Tom. And I think it's a damn shame. And it's part of what's wrong with uh, the younger generations 
to be honest with you. Well, you know, for those of us who care about sports and the experience we get from it, um, it's hard to imagine life without it. Yeah. Um, I happen to be married to a woman who wouldn't change anything about her life if sports ended tomorrow. If you know, and how how we hit it off in the uh, early days of our relationship, I have no idea. You know, she doesn't care. She doesn't care anything about sports, and. You know, she she'll ask me who won the game when I get home or something like that. But you know, doesn't watch him, doesn't come to the games, doesn't do anything. And, and you know, people like us, we we find that hard to believe. But um, but there is life outside of sports, and uh, I think there's a lot a lot of other people uh, in the world, and more and more every day, I guess, who who feel that way. Yeah, yeah, because there was. It was probably about a month or two ago whenever I was at the gym and just doing a normal workout and I just looked off in the corner of my eye and I kind of had to do a little bit of a double take, but I kind of caught a glimpse of uh, Jamie Rivers at the at the gym one day and I was like, I, I mean, I get, I know he's at the gym and people may or may not know him and I know they want to respect his face, but I wonder if there was anybody like at the gym that may have like been that know it might have been him or not knowing it was him. And at, at the time, the fan in me wanted to be like, oh, it's Jamie Rivers. I want to go up and talk to him. But I know at the same time, he's probably got a busy schedule. He needs to probably get in, do what he needs to do, and then get out to do, go to meetings or go to the game or go to something. So I, I thought that was kind of neat to be able to run into him the one day and kind of kind of falls in line with kind of how you were saying about people may or may not know on you in your classes whenever you're teaching. Yeah. I, I think Jamie probably would have been honored if you'd have come up and said, Hey, Mr. Rivers, um, <laughs> would you sign something for me or whatever? You know, he, he seems like that kind of guy. I don't know him all that well myself run into him occasionally at the games, but uh, mm. uh, I think most hockey people, are good people people if you know what i mean they're mm -hmm. uh, they're down to earth um happy to chat um would be glad to hoist a beer with you kind of people you know and um so it wouldn't be surprising to me if you went up to mr rivers and you wound up talking to him for 15 minutes that'd be cool <laughs> We had another comment. I don't know how true this is or not, but uh, Logan Stone, uh, he is actually part of the uh, Variety Sports Network. He had this to say, but I don't know if he was <laughs> talking about one of us or you, uh, or you, Tom, but I thought it was kind of neat and thought I'd put it up on the screen for everybody to kind of see. How long <laughs> for the VSN? Yes, uh, that's our network. Yeah, that's oh, just the whole initials okay. we use sometimes. I just didn't. Yeah, no, it's all good. <laughs> well, if if uh, the VSN wanted me to be their announcer, uh, we could work something out. That's for sure. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> to have you do the intro for us and and replace Brandon's voice with yours would be amazing. <laughs> 
No he's offense, Josh. He's, 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 well, he's an icon, and you're one of us. So. <laughs> No, that'd be really cool. I mean, yeah, that's something you'd be be interested. We could we could definitely probably work something out if that's something uh, that we I'm could. I'm talking to you do. from my home studio, and yeah. um, you know, I do some voice work for people who want it. Uh, I've been doing a lot of uh, wedding party introductions for blues fans, you know, things yeah. like that. But occasionally, oh, I'll awesome. do a, I'll do a job for uh, a local business or something, and. You know, some fun things that I do here in the studio. I mm-hmm. I keep threatening to do a podcast. Um, <laughs> talk to a few people in hockey that I know uh, who would probably be pretty good on a podcast. Yeah. But I haven't pulled the trigger on that. And my my one son says, "You're wasting your time. How much time do you think you have left? You might as well go ahead and do it." <laughs> you know. So sons can say that to their dads, you know, and yeah. get away with it. But um, uh, I might do that one of these days and see where it goes. Yeah. Cool. Well, if you ever needed a platform, we know a couple <laughs> guys who could get you some space and, and get you rock and rolling, Tom. Okay. Well, I'll keep that in the back of my mind. I'll be ready to go. <laughs> For sure. Well, um, I don't know how much time you got to your uh, – having your sons over for your barbecue – I think that started a half hour ago, actually. <laughs> well, yeah, uh, take up too much of your time. So. I've already yeah. missed out on a beer or two, I think. But, so. <laughs> well, if we you, you, you want to have one on there, <laughs> yeah. But if you want to get back to hanging out with family, we more than uh, more than appreciate coming on today, and it was a privilege to get a chance to talk with you and get to know you a little bit better. Well, both Brandon's and Josh, it's been uh, good chatting with you, and yeah. I always uh, appreciate uh, the chance to talk about blues hockey. It's as I've said, it's uh, been a wonderful part of my life, and um, any kind of chance I get to uh, go down memory lane, it's always welcome. For sure, it was welcome. We greatly appreciate. I was gonna say we greatly appreciate the time you've given us today, and. Uh, if we can get you on maybe in the off season or during the uh, one week break, if you have time, I mean, if we can make that work and you'd be willing to, we'd love to have you back sometime down the road. If you look at the schedule, there's a big hole in it somewhere in January, early February. So uh, you might want to, we might want to see where we're at with the season about that time. <laughs> Sounds good. Definitely put it on the we calendar if we want to get something happening. Okay. Sounds good right. guys. Pleasure, Tom. Thank you. Thanks, Tom. Well, that was uh, definitely a good experience. I thought to have him have him on the show with us today, and I I felt like we got a lot more than probably what we were probably planning on getting. And I thought it was a pretty good show with him today. What'd you think, guys? No, it was fun. I'm I, I truly, enjoyed, yeah, I truly enjoyed that. That was that was uh, uh, just. I mean, I've I've been telling my wife now that for the last two weeks, as soon as as soon as you said you'd come on, I was like, holy crap, we get it, like we get to talk. <laughs> this, yep. this is big. For, like to me, to me, I know a lot of like 
probably like people who don't really watch the blues and stuff like i like we don't even know who it is but it's like holy crap like no it's, it's tom it's tom calhoun like it's awesome so it was fun it was fun yeah i know you weren't able to get on with us whenever we had uh jeremy bower on for an interview and that was that was mm-hmm. a lot of fun i think it was really nerve-wracking for i know for me and josh as well for uh being kind of the first interview that we've had kind of since i'm coming on and it's since we've had the blues notes uh show so it was it was a little nerve-wracking but i thought we had a good show then and i thought this was definitely a good show as well to have tom come on and be able to talk his job and the blues and and everything else as well so i'm i'm glad you guys enjoyed uh being on today to talk about tom or talk with tom i guess uh Josh, did you want to go over some of the stuff that we kind of have uh, kind of in the local area? Oh, yeah. So um, this whole episode uh, was brought to you by our big national sponsors, as always, um, Row One Brand. We will first want to give them a shout out. Uh, the big drawing is happening when, Brandon? No, the drawing, the drawing unfortunately, is over. Oh, the drawing. Yeah. I thought it was entry. It closed, was no, it closed last night. Um, but see, Row One, I mean, I, I got you, Josh. I got you this time. You do it. You do it enough as it is. Uh, Row one brand. So hey, you gonna make sure you go check their stuff out. Uh, you get fifteen percent off when you use code VSP fifteen. Uh, that's code VSP fifteen. Uh, Row one brand right there, seen on the screen. Um, use that code. You get fifteen percent off anything in the art gallery from Row one brand. Uh, let's see what else do we got. We got that. Well, well, two more. Two more. So yep. just bear with us for a second. Uh, next one's in the clutch. In the clutch is right there. You can see it at the bottom of the screen going across the ticker. Uh, in the clutch, you get 10% off anything and everything from the store when you use code. Again, it's all caps, all caps, variety sports at checkout. And the last one is AAA Treats, based out right here in St. Louis out of Fenton. Uh, so make sure you go check out their Facebook page at AAA Treats on Facebook. You get 10% off anytime you mention Variety Sports Network. And uh, more appreciate you guys kind of coming on today. Uh, no, it's been kind of a spotty schedule with having episodes with the season, not really well with it being an off season and everything, but uh, season's going to be right around the corner. And I imagine that we're going to be having a hell of a lot more uh, episodes to come in the future. So if you guys want to be on, be looking for us. Uh, been here lately, been having a lot more of, the Blues Notes episodes on Thursdays. Uh, try to range from Thursdays and possibly Tuesdays. We'll kind of get an idea more of once the season starts and what kind of schedule we have with all the other shows that we have in the Variety Sports Network. Uh, so that was kind of all we had for today. Uh, thank you, Brandon, Josh, for coming on with us to talk to Tom and have another great episode on the Blues Notes. Until next time, guys. Appreciate it, and we'll see you next time. See you guys.